0: Welcome to Touch Podcast, Conversations of Spirit and Body. This is Ryan. And this is Nate. This podcast is rated PG and sometimes R. If you're idling in the car rider line, just be prepared to pause it and switch to that kid CD you've heard 9,999 times. Yeah, so I had a chance to talk to David Gushy. He uh, he and I used to work together at uh, Mercer University at the McAfee School of Theology. He is the distinguished professor of Christian ethics and the director of the Center for Theology and Public Life at Mercer University, and he has written a bunch of books. Um, Kingdom Ethics um, and others, Uh, Moral Leadership for a Divided Age is his most recent one, Um, Righteous Gentiles of the Holocaust, um, The Sacredness of Human Life, Evangelical Ethics. He has written a lot of stuff. And the, the original reason why we interviewed him was because we were doing a section on uh, folks who had changed their minds on stuff. And he, a couple years ago, three, four years ago now, he had a big change of mind on a really hot button issue in evangelical circles. Oh, which
1: one? What did he change his mind about?
0: He decided that gay marriage was okay. Ooh, it's is, was he okay because I I remember
1: hearing his name all the time amongst our peers and I just kind of forget where he falls on the conservative progressive spectrum.
0: Well his his whole career he's would have considered himself a biblical ethicist which would put him pretty conservative, conservative evangelical and pretty uh-huh. popular in conservative evangelical circles. Um, the, though when he came to Mercer, he he was moderating a bit more to the center and then um i guess 3 years ago 3 4 years ago he came out in favor of gay marriage as the like a logical ethical conclusion oh. um and it's interesting that in this interview he talks about um he's not like other people who you know, the, he's pro-gay marriage and then uh, kind of throws everything out, you know, the baby out with the bathwater in terms of ethics. He still, he still holds to what I think most people would consider to be a conservative sexual ethic mm-hmm. plus gay marriage. And so he talks about, he explains that uh, in this conversation that we had. Fascinating.
1: Man, I'm yeah. sorry I missed this conversation. I'm, I'm going to listen to this right now as we're listening to it. In real time. I don't know how that works. Just talk about in this <laughs> the episode. stickers. Oh, and t-shirts. <laughs> we have t-shirts to give we have now. t-shirts, we can, yeah. We, we have... can sell them at Patreon.
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah. if you give uh, at, at Patreon, we'll send you a sticker. You get access to uh, unheard parts of conversations that the regular listening uh, public doesn't get to hear. Uh, if you give at a certain level, you'll get a t-shirt. We'll mail you a t-shirt. And yeah, patreon.com slash touchpodcast, or you can go to touchpodcast.com, and right at the top of the website there, you will see a link to our Patreon site. Give us a dollar a month, $5 a month, $50 a month, whatever you can afford to support the podcast, because we are working on season two with Shannon Etheridge as our co-host. Yes. Those of you who are followers of us on social media, you got to hear about that last week. And uh, lots of new things. The logo has got a refresh. And oh, the logo. Yeah, the logo's got a refresh and we're working on an updated website. That'll that'll launch in the next month or so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Nathan I'm it's totally like Nathan, you God. know about all these things. He's just listening. <laughs> I'm like, no, he's hearing it I'm going about all time. these
1: things. Now that I finished a side job, I'm I'm kinda like I'm hearing all of this stuff like, oh yeah. This and this
0: and this. Now, Nathan right. is a those of you listening at home you you know this if you've been listening to the show Nathan is a intense highly gifted creative type and when he is in the his creative zone the rest of the world it's like he's traveling at light speed and relativity time matter space takes over and the rest of the world comes to a complete stop while he is yeah. in the booth and doing his yeah. art. And then he comes out, and it's like Rip Van Winkle. It's like 50 years have <laughs> gone by. And he's got, yeah. a, he's got a beard, and the the, rest yeah. of the kids have all grown up, and he's like, what happened? Hey. You're right. Total Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> what?
1: What's going on? Who did we interview? Oh, yeah. oh my goodness.
0: By the way, oh, Nate, we... Uh, yeah. Ooh. And... Uh, we have some email questions we have some email you want to hear it yeah Todd s asks um are you going to do another season
1: yeah yeah well Todd yes we are gonna do another season and this next season is gonna be with Shannon Etheridge and it's gonna it's gonna going to focus on desire and um it's probably gonna be a little different this year we're not going to be interviewing um guests it won't be it won't be that' uh, that focus I mean, it, it will probably happen. We're going to stay open to it. Um, but for the most part, we're going to kind of shift the the space and just allow free-form conversation to happen, um, maybe going off of some of the questions that you're proposing, like this one, right, right now. So uh, there will be a season two, be a little different, but it will be very juicy, fun, um, and, and good times.
0: Yeah. Oh, here's a question, Nate. From Christy P., I've had a hard time figuring out where either of you fit theologically. Is this on purpose?
1: Whoa. Ooh. That's a good question.
0: That is a good question. Well, what how about you answer this one first? Um, yeah, it is on purpose. <laughs> 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 no, we've had we've had a lot of conversations about um yeah, what if there was gonna be sort of a firm theological perspective. And I think um, like most people out there who don't feel like they fit in any particular theological, I don't know, on any particular theological shelf, you might be conservative about some things and progressive on other things, have a few practices or beliefs that might be way out there that you are public about or maybe you keep those to yourself. Um, we are intentionally not trying to fit in any Particular theological Framework so we're a little little Evangelical a little progressive A little li- we're like if those are the Labels you're looking for uh, We are sort of playing in all Of those yeah um, that And that yeah. could be uncomfortable for some people I think in a lot of radio shows It's either you know left or right And we're We're just trying to be weird <laughs> Yeah
1: you know and actually It's frustrating to me too because I, I think like that like I can't I'm constantly branding and marketing not to like brand and market to the world, but that's that's the language I'm used to at work. I, I process that all the time. I have to break from it and and um, when I think about us, like Ryan, what we're doing I've, I, I have pitted us as okay, are we like, you know, here's the married voice and the unmarried voice. Here's a, mm-hmm. here's one who's got kids and who doesn't have kids. Who's a progressive? Who's a conservative, Conservative, right? Like I was looking for characters for us to fall into just so I could, you know, I'm not sure. It's like I felt like I needed to have it when in reality what, what I'm needing more is just to, to be myself and and the actual version of me doesn't know. I don't know where I fall in those lines and, mm-hmm. and I like that I can... Um, express different comments on, on, on different issues that, that, that confuse that and finally feel safe, right? Because sometimes at church uh, or those church settings or political settings, you know, those boundaries, they, they start defining us. We start thinking about that extra layer of how people hear our words and we're just not as present anymore. So, so the intention of keeping those things blur is not just being strategic to be annoying, but it's like <laughs> I think it helps us yeah. both just to be real. Um, and I'm, and it's still an adjustment for me. Like I, on occasion, I'm sure you'll be able to hear me with like, my voice gets kind of trumpety, Sometimes I get kind of showy, you know, and it's, it's me just being comfortable with myself and being comfortable with being heard. Uh, but that's where I want to be. So yeah, yeah, that's a good question.
0: Yeah. And I, and I would say add to that, that, um, I'm probably pretty progressive on a lot of things, but I live a very conservative life. If that makes sense. Like, I mean, I'm a married man with two kids. We go to church on Sunday. You know, I'm not, um, you know, I work for a denominational organization. I'm not a, um, I am not I, I do not live the life I might necessarily, you know, I I endorse a more free and uh, publicly sort of uh, diverse life than the one I actually live. <laughs> yeah. In real yeah. life, I'm just like this boring dad with two kids, and I'm trying to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and get the kids to school, right? That's, that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, you could look at it that way.
1: Also, this guy happens to be the only one that I could go to uh, and say something um, as bold as, yeah, let's see if we can try to fuse tantra with the church. And then Ryan Clark goes, okay. You know so it's like <laughs> let me read you, some books you, and get back to you. Yeah, it's like you love you love the conservative life but then you the mind, the way you work, what what you're daring to risk, it's like you know what you're daring to explore, it's the complete opposite. It's very open, very um the, the type of stuff that changes the world and scares people really because like when you start taking me seriously, I start thinking w- wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> you
0: know um
1: yeah. See? Yeah, that's where we are.
0: That's the answer to that question, Christy. Yeah. Oh, so the other thing that's going to be in this episode, we are being so ADD today, but um, the other thing in this episode is I'm going to play a recording where I talk to my dad about (gasps) sex. Oh. So we had this idea back at Thanksgiving to ask our dads about sex and record it and yeah my dad spilled the beans and then surprised me at the end and I, mm-hmm. that recording is going to is coming up um on this show and nathan's dad
1: yeah yeah my dad <laughs> um apparently uh i don't even know how to say it but he has a story that he he never told me um because uh <clears throat> he doesn't necessarily um yeah, you know, there's the a shame involved with it still. Even now, the way I'm t- describing it, you can hear me kind of struggling with it. So it was a very, it was very much a man to man talk, but it was still, uh, yeah. Anyway, so two different conversations. Yeah, <laughs> this is me struggling to have mine, struggling to share you what mine was about, and and then there is Ryan. So yeah, I, I, I have that story to share too.
0: Yeah, and we're not playing the conversation with Nate's dad because he just it's wasn't. It's video. Yeah, it's video, and it just wasn't. He wasn't interested in having his mm-hmm. his story there was, be out there. My dad yeah, was there like, oh, I don't care." But
1: yeah, there wasn't a conversation to record. Basically, <laughs> there wasn't. There was an awkward <laughs> moment that was seen on camera.
0: An awkward <laughs> moment on camera.
1: Yeah, so that's one, <laughs> which that's for fifty dollars kind of
0: a month on Patreon, 50, you can watch yeah. in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That that is not one of the benefits of being a supporter on our Patreon site. It's good content though. It's really yeah. good to see. Um,
1: so <laughs> that <laughs> hap- yeah, so that happened too.
0: Yeah,
1: I think that's good documentary yeah. stuff. But maybe, there'll, maybe there'll be some beats that like just video content on P- Touch Podcast. Keep keep your eyes open because we're
0: yeah, Touch
1: po- we're we're finding out our flow here, and there's a lot of video content that's been banking up, and we're gonna find an outlet for it.
0: Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening, and here is David Gushy, Doctor David Gushy. Ethicist at McAfee School of Theology and Mercer University, and Toby Clark, my dad. Dr. Gushy's made uh, many contributions in the field of ethics through the years, but we're talking to him today about some things he's changed his mind on, as well as thinking ethically about our sexual behavior. So, Dr. Gushy, thanks for being with us.
2: Good to be with you, Ryan. Why
0: don't you tell us about some things you've uh, reconsidered in the past couple years And um, let's see where that goes.
2: (laughs) Sure. Um, I guess I'm most well known for what, for some, was seen as a shocking reconsideration of my thinking about LGBT people and their relationships. Um, I changed my mind from a kind of a soft traditionalist position uh, that... uh, was not able to make a space for legitimate lesbian or gay uh, partnerships to one in which I was able to make that space. And I I did that in a book that came out in 2014 called Changing Our Mind, interestingly enough. Um, And I guess, um, it's interesting though, it's like besides that, I remain, I mean, aware of the difficulties of a traditional Christian sexual ethic but still largely persuaded that that it works best Um, that is that people do best if they are in a covenantal long term permanent uh, marriage relationship with one person to whom they remain faithful Um, and that this this is the best combination of both a context for expressing our sexuality in a fully human way without fear um, without exploitation um to be able to relax and give yourself away and and to receive somebody else's self-giving and that every other alternative falls short of that But all I did in 2014 was to say, I believe that lesbian and gay people should have that same opportunity with um, the kinds of relationships that straight people have taken for granted. So in some ways now, four years later, I feel like my position feels um, somewhat conservative still. Because I have not embraced um, a looser ethic that sex should just be if you want to or if you both consent or in whatever relationship you're in at the time or anything like that. So I'm still traditionalist in that sense.
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that because I think when people... I think the assumption might be that if you open the door for allowing for gay marriage, or if there's any sort of crack in a very conservative, moralistic view of sexual behavior, then what you're doing is you're opening it for free love, do whatever you want. And so how would you, how do you theologically come to that staying relatively conservative? Um, And then how would you, how would like someone at home put together their own sexual ethic that they're that might not be right where their youth group was Mm -hmm. teaching uh, when they were 14 years old but not not the sort of stuff you see
2: on tv i guess right um i think that it's a great question and it's one of the why don't we start off this way it's one of the hazards of biblical literalism or um just a a tendency towards fundamentalism. How many times was the message communicated one way or another, if you waver on this, everything will fall apart. That you have to believe it 100% exactly as we're telling you or as the Bible says, quote unquote, um, that is somebody's interpretation of the Bible. Um, Or the whole house of cards falls and it's chaos. I don't know uh, what's cause and what's effect, but I do know that sometimes when people move away from what they were taught during True Love Waits when they were 14 years old, that they never again find a stable landing place. It's like fundamentalism is in them. And so if they leave it, the message of fundamentalism that says, if you leave this, you'll end up in chaos, it'll be a slippery slope down into relativism and chaos, they actually enact that script.
0: It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it's partly related to the shaking of authority structures because everything was clustered together hyper traditional ethic went with hyper traditional reading of the bible if you shake one then the other collapses and you've got nothing left and so you're just kind of making it up now but but this doesn't have to be this way i mean what i try to teach my students is any good ethical norm or standard has reasons that you can point to other than biblical dictate. Um, Or another way to say it is that the the reason the Bible says certain things is it goes deeper into human nature and human flourishing. So if all you have is rules, which is legalism, if the rules are challenged, you've got nothing left it's legalism or chaos. But if all you have is rules, that's a problem from the beginning because ethics is is very impoverished if it's reduced to rules. I In my Kingdom Ethics textbook uh, I talk about the layer below rules is principles and the layer below principles is kind of basic convictions about God and human, human nature, for example. So I'll share a couple of basic convictions that then shape my ethic. I think that uh, at a core level, human beings need intimacy, and for most that includes sexual intimacy, Um, that human beings are affected by intimacy, um, positively or negatively, negatively if they're not ready for it or if the context isn't right, positively, if they are right Um, I also believe that human beings are sinners, and so we can mess up anything Um, and the more important something is the more um, the more are the consequences if we mess it up I believe that human beings do best in long term committed relationships I believe in covenant a concept that's almost entirely lost now but that because we're sinners covenant relationships are hard to sustain. Um, I believe that sex is a good gift, but also because we're sinners, we can mess it up in a thousand different ways. Um, So, And I believe that a lot, at least, of what the Bible presents on... um, Oh, here's another one. I'll go back. I also believe that the more vulnerable a person is the easier it is to hurt them and the deeper the hurt goes so a child is more vulnerable than an adult Um, uh, a sick person is more vulnerable than a well person and a a naked person literally physically and emotionally naked person is more vulnerable than somebody who is guarded and protected and clothed so and when people get hurt it's it's real trauma Um, and we want to try to prevent it. Okay, so those are some things that I believe. And so this generates certain principles like um, that sex is precious, that it is not something to be toyed with, that um, it is a site of great vulnerability, um, that the sex is, is sub subhuman when we turn it into a commodity or a thing or turn other people into commodities or things. Um, that human flourishing is advanced best by faithful, trusting, self-giving relationships. So you notice none of what I just said is framed as a rule. It's core convictions leading to some principles. Um, And so I believe that people do best in, and that the ethics should be faithful, monogamous, permanent relationships. Um, I do think that human nature is such that um, people can find that constraining. They might even describe it as boring, you know, here at year, whatever, 22 or 12 or whatever. Uh, and especially if the cultural climate is not supporting it. But I do think that people do best that way. So so we don't have to go into chaos and whatever is on TV right now um, or whatever is on you know the latest uh, music um, it doesn't have to go from fundamentalism to that and for me it just went to an opening a recognition that, or a belief on my part, that the church had gotten wrong the rejection of gay people in their relationships based on not understanding what the phenomenon was that they were dealing with Um, but that the overall structure of Christian sexual ethics is 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 kept in place with a monogamous covenantal vision. That's how I look at it anyway.
0: It sounds like, um, there is a strong connection, um, in your ethical thinking between, um, with sex and justice, that sex is a justice issue.
2: Any, yeah, any issue that involves, um, human beings is a justice issue. And, um, uh, I I do think that that is a that is a constructive direction to go we, uh in high school uh it wasn't treated as a justice issue for most of us who might be listening it was treated as a purity issue or something mm-hmm. um so the imagery was more uh purity versus defilement which is very old testament priestly you know um I think it's much more constructive to think of it as a justice issue and there was actually I think it's in 1 Thessalonians 4 um, where there's a line where Paul says, do not wrong one another in this way related to sex. Mm -hmm. So um, adultery regulations, adultery laws are pretty explicit about this in the Bible. If somebody is married to somebody and you interfere or interrupt that relationship, that's unjust. It's um, a major sin. And if you are in a covenanted marital relationship and you break your covenant, that's a major deal. It's a justice issue because um, people have structured their lives based on these covenant commitments, and a lot of times children are involved. If you mess with that, you are damaging right relations, which is injustice. if, if you uh, tell somebody, oh, I love you, to have sex with them, and you're lying, that's a justice issue, right? Um, if you use people for pay or not sexually, that's a justice issue because it's not people. Immanuel Kant said people are to be treated as ends and not as means only. If you treat somebody's body as a means to your end, that's a justice issue. Um, so I think justice talk in relation to uh, to sex is an advance over purity talk, for sure.
0: And it also seems to me, that's helpful. Um, it also seems to me that um, a sexual list of moral behaviors to avoid tends to disproportionately um, suppress women. So it seems like men tend to sort of have a a list in, in that system, a, a, a man has, his list is sort of
2: in pencil, whereas a woman's is written in, in Sharpie. I don't know why exactly it has gone that way, but um, yeah, I think that, I think it has been part of a male sexual double standard. Um, that we have granted ourselves license to do things that we have not granted women license to do. If we do it, it's boys will be boys, and if the women do it, it's horrific, right? So, um, but of course, I don't think that the answer there is to have everybody have the same low standards. The answer is to raise everybody to a higher, a higher vision. Um, do you yeah. do you think that we
0: teach boys? Or yeah, how how do you think we could teach boys and girls, but boys in particular? To think ethically on these deeper levels as children, so that when they become adults, they're they're thinking they're thinking ethically. They're thinking in terms of power and justice when they think about sexual energy and not about the strategies for getting the most they can, the quickest they can, yeah. with as many people as
2: they can. Yeah, the reference to power there is helpful too. Um, There is a lot of, again, with human relations, there's power always at stake. And um, there is a lot of abuse of power in sexuality. Um, And we could go into that. But I think that um, one, one approach to ethics says that rule thinking is a little bit more primitive than principle thinking. And also a little easier to communicate to the young. Uh, Higher order thinking about flourishing or about fairness or or whatever um, that maybe it takes a while to get there. And so you can see when you're raising small children that there's only so much explanation at certain stages it's just here is the rule and this is you might say here's why but they may or may not understand why but they certainly can understand the rule. I think that a lot of what has happened, though, in a lot of conservative settings is all that has been left is the rules. And the explanation for the reasons for the rules or higher-order thinking was never attempted. Um, So I think an experiment for this next generation of parents who are raising young people... Including me. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. ...is how do we introduce more mature and serious post-rule, moral conversations and, and at what stage, you know. Um, but but I, I do think that a place to start with a 13-year-old or a 15-year-old or whatever might be, something like, especially with guys, if, if this is still true, I think it is, you will have friends telling you that the goal is uh, get as much for yourself as you can. And we are telling you that that is not the right goal. Uh, The goal is um, kindness, justice, fairness, Um, self-control because you don't want to be involved in hurting or exploiting somebody. Um, And so any rules we offer you are in service of those principles. And I do generally believe that um, explaining reasons for rules make the rules much more powerful and compelling. And, and also, if you can't defend specific rules because you can't give a good reason for them, then sometimes the rules need to be revised.
0: <clears throat> I agree, and I, I would think that uh, makes me think of when um, you have parents who set out some pretty strict rules for their children, and then when their children are old enough to ask them, well, is this what you did? And then there's that awkward moment (laughs) where the parent is put in a position to potentially lie or tell the truth and say, no, this is
2: not what I did, but this is what I really wish you would do, or... And here's why, or, um, you know, um, that involves a level of honesty sometimes that we, as parents, don't always feel like sharing with our our kids or... It's interesting, uh, the role, thinking about the role of Honest sharing of mistakes, honest sharing of regrets. Here's what I did when I was your age, and here's why I wish I hadn't. Um, and here's why I would. I don't. I want you to not do what I did. I think that's pretty high level parenting when you get to that stage. I think you, that you know you you would have to be sure that you're communicating exactly the right message. Um, but it's. I do generally believe that uh, honest transparency is the best policy, as age-appropriate. You know? yeah. so. Well, Dr. Gushy, thank you for being on Touch Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ryan, and uh, I'm glad for what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you.
0: We're going to have to pause it there with uh, Dr. David Gushy. Uh, we're very grateful for his time on the show. We have a few other parts of the conversation uh, that we may play later at another episode. But, Nate, I'm curious, uh, listening to him, uh, what did you think?
1: Well, I, I love him. I mean, just the fact that he talks so slow and methodical with his, you know, with all his thoughts. It, you know, he, we're taking a moment to... Feel into every feeling and every thought, and not just giving a rushed answer. And it's the type of subject which needs us to slow down. And when we explore this question, it's a chance for us to take a look at ourselves again. You know, and um, the fact that he's been able to do that, and showing that by example how deep that self um, discovery goes for him. You know, the the difference between principles and, and laws, it's It's refreshing. I think it's absolutely refreshing. I'm curious. Did you change your opinion on homosexuality? Did you have a moment in which, you know, you kind of, like, had a hard switch or was it more of a grave for you? Did Did that even happen for you?
0: Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I had a pretty traditional view of gay marriage and um, came around to a more progressive view In support of gay marriage A lot like Dr. Gushy does And uh, For me it was Knowing people And knowing that Knowing people and building relationships with people And realizing that um, That love The ethic of love is the most important thing The ethic of
1: love Yeah Yeah Like, for me, when I think about it, um, in regards to, like, you know, have I changed my opinion on homosexuality, Um, when I really think about it, I don't think I ever fully bought it that homosexuality was a a sin, you know? Like, I was preached that, and I think I've always kind of wondered, oh, is, you know, is, is it really that clean of an answer, or is there more to it, and... And, and I can recall never digging into it, like being OK that, you know, if, if most people only take the subject this far and they make their decision this far, then OK, maybe I'm of that camp. Right. Um, but then when I hear things like David Gushy speak and how he opens up um, the inner working principles behind the laws, um, I'm hearing something that has always made sense to me but I've never given my, my, myself the chance to really air those thoughts the way he did it, you know? Um, so, yeah. So well, it, he
0: does have a PhD. Yeah. He does have a PhD in those things and has been teaching it for 30 years. Yeah, he's
1: got the smarts. He's got the communication
0: powers. That's true. But, yeah, I did like... I like it's a helpful framework to think about... The lev- our levels of understanding of Scripture and our religious tradition and uh, why what our presuppositions are when we approach a text that lead us to the conclusion that we come to when we've read it. And then you and I come from a Baptist tradition, mm-hmm. which it can be very individualistic when it comes to interpreting texts. And so, you know... You know, uh, you can be in a Bible study and everybody goes around the circle and says what they think the passage means. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's completely valid. But what we say we think that passage means is more about us than it is about what the text says. So Ooh. Um, that's not something.
1: <laughs> oh, you just made me think about myself. Ooh, that was pretty clever.
0: Well, and I said, th- well, and what, and I got on my soapbox a little bit there, but, no, but it's my true. point is that. That Gushy's way of of getting under that is helpful for people to understand. Well, why is it that I don't? Why is it that I don't throw the dog crap over the fence at my neighbor's backyard? Mm-hmm. You know, or you know, you know, we have sort of some moral. There's not a verse about throwing dog poop in your neighbor's yard, but in the Bible. But I can. There are principles about being neighborly. That I can surmise, yes. and I don't need a var—I don't need a verse about dog poop. I—I I know that that is a behavior that would break our relationship and is not very loving act to do to poor Jeremy, who v- or Jeremy's a great guy. He's not poor, but you know, right? Jeremy on the other
1: side. Yeah, and you—you you know, yeah. I—I no, I now care about Jeremy, whoever the Jeremy is. I care about him now. That's called great storytelling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, why one. I'll email him a link and said, "Hey, I mentioned you in my podcast."
1: Yeah, and and he'll be he'll feel special, as he should, because we thought of him. Um, Mr. Gushy said something really amazing when he said like the legalism or chaos, right? Um, and it was like a really subtle reference to, you know, the chaos that you guys were talking about. Like we, you know, a self-fulfilled prophecy of us putting ourselves into a chaos because we've never created any other narrative to go off of than what we've been taught you know so um like i just really related to that and i was really glad he gave chaos a place of um why don't i don't need to feel crazy for a feeling in chaos like it's a natural step from where i've come from from believing in something that was pure fundamentalism moving from the law to the principle aspect like it i i do feel like i'm filling my hands around and free falling. Like, what do I hold on here? What do I hold on to now? If I'm not following the law traditionally as, as I was, as I was taught. Um, that stuck to me a lot. Also, well, because I, it sounds I think like that's, a tea you know,
0: <laughs> well, and yeah, you, you and I, and I think a lot of that for a lot, of, for some people that happens in college, you know, you get out of the youth group and you get introduced to the other, other ideas. And, You know, a lot of people kind of go, yeah, so some of these very rigid things I was taught in church isn't necessarily literally true or um, this teaching has a history of violence and or comes from a tradition of slavery. Right. And it can be tempting to just throw the whole thing out and be. All right. So I'm going to screw whoever I want to screw and the whole point of living is to see how much money I can make and I can step on people's necks when I do it. Mm. Which is not his point, right?
1: The... No. No, but what point were you getting at? I'm still kind of following you.
0: Yeah, I don't know where I was going. I was just I think we're just talking.
1: saying how awesome he is and how smart he is because he's he's pretty
0: No. Well, in this season, Nate, we are wrapping it down. We are wrapping this season down because we're about to start a new season.
1: Yeah, and and now that we're wrapping our season down, we've we've spoken to a lot of experts, a lot of sexologists, academics, uh, people who've walked life, lived it, and coming out with books. Um, And after this whole journey of season one, Dr. Ryan Clark... Have you had a change of opinion on anything regarding sexuality?
0: Um, maybe not a... Yes. But more than a change of opinion, I've had, you know, there was a, I have a, a couple revelations. Like, one was with... Uh, we were talking to Bill Staten, and I made the comment about you know, I, my fear is blah, 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 blah. And he's like, yeah, that is your fear. (laughs) You know, the, these kinds of things that we, um, you know, the, that this has been a good time for me to process some of my fears and anxieties about sex out loud and publicly, um, in a way I've never, I haven't done before, uh, instead of just like holding court on the back deck over a couple of beers with some buddies right. or to be teaching in a sort of, in a church context where you got to kind of stay in some pretty narrow or stay in the boundaries because, you know, um, yeah, this has been really good for me. Yeah. Very eye Uh, and it's been a very lovely and warm conversation. I've genuinely liked and cared for all of our guests and, yeah. um, yeah, it's been good.
1: We've had some pretty epic guests. Um, I I like I've had a change of of opinion on something. Ryan Clark. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have. Say I, more about that. So yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about that. I thought, I thought I I thought I knew my shit, man. Like I thought that oh, just because I left my faith for a spell, I've got something to say. You know, like I I thought that's all it took almost to leave my faith and find myself coming back in some ways like, yeah, you know, like there's something rugged and badass about that, that I have some kind of wisdom to offer and share. Um, and when I came back, um, I realized I wasn't the only one who did this, that many people have done this even within their faiths. And like, I'm just one of where so many of us are right now, you know? And so I kind of, Um, I started off feeling like um, I had something unique to offer, which is true. That is true. But from a different position, like we are a part of a collective. Um, We're a part of many who are feeling around and and finding our way through. And the guests that we're speaking to are on the same um, perspective. Like I thought that they were people offering answers but once we got to talk about sexuality like they're admitting that they're not that we're all finding our way through so that was my really big change of like starting this podcast for season one and then like coming out the other end saying oh okay yeah we're 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 one of many going through all this right and um i think it's pretty good to learn now
0: yeah i i uh, changing yeah because we were talking to david gushy about changing your mind and i think what has changed in my mind has is been that um, to trust my curiosity, that um, that uh, not let my anxiety um, about sex rule my behavior, and that the container of the the container that love creates and being in a relationship with people is strong enough to have intimate and difficult and and but also fun conversations about sex and that I'm going to be okay and that other people are going to be okay. One of my great anxieties was that I was going to have friends or coworkers who really kind of came down on, you know, this is not a conversation you should be hosting or having or th- those are the not the words you should be saying. In public. And I have not had any of that. I've had an amazing amount of support from, from friends and coworkers. So that's been great too. So yeah, it's changed. I guess it's changed my mind about what I'm the kind of love I'm able to receive and give and, um, and trust my friends and my own curiosity.
1: Friends are friends forever. When the Lord's the Lord. (laughs) If the Lord
0: is Lord of them,
1: the friends will not say never. I just have this thing with the major vibrato
0: on it. Well, Nate, we're going to have one more episode. And it will, to close out this season, we're going to talk about our experience at Wild Goose. Ooh, yes. That will be in the next show. And I'm aware that we didn't have time to play my dad's audio. But I'm thinking that we're going to save it for next season because next season is going to be amazing. Next season,
1: everything is, going to, everything is going to bump up a notch. We have another voice who's contributing, which adds more spice into everything we say and do. So That's going to be a treat.
0: Yeah, Shannon Etheridge. Mm-hmm author women's speaker on sexuality and she has she leads lots of retreats around the united states helping people move through and get over their sexual stuff and she's a delight you you will have heard her on episodes 9 and 10 i believe and uh, we're really yeah i'm jazzed about uh starting the next season
1: yeah and we get to try some new things we haven't done before so you guys get to evolve with us as we enter the season two and keep the conversation going and continue to feed us your ideas and suggestions uh you are on this journey with us and um yeah let's grow together and just have a good time together as we talk all these wonderful conversations about spirit and
0: body As always, thank you for listening to Touch Podcast. Please uh, follow us, like us, uh, get into our social media lives at touch underscore cast is our handle on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us by by searching Touch Podcast or typing Touch Podcast after the slash on Facebook to find our group. You can go to our website, touchpodcast.com, watch videos, read essays, and find out about Other things that are going on, including we have a Patreon campaign going on, mm -hmm. you can be a supporter of Touch Podcast, $1, $5, $3 a month, and you get access to some extras. He was so tender.
1: He was so tenderly touching on Touch Podcast. He touched you tenderly. Be touched tenderly, untouched podcast.
0: Oh, he touched me.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you, should we put that on there?
1: That's awesome. That makes great. That makes great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that makes great podcast.